0: The epistle for this third Sunday after Epiphany is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brethren, do not be wise in your own conceits to no man rendering evil for evil, providing good things not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as is in you, having peace with all men, not revenging yourselves, my dearly beloved, but give place unto wrath. For it is written, Revenge is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy be hungry, give him to eat. If he thirst, give him to drink. For doing this, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 8th chapter of the gospel of Matthew. At that time when Jesus was come down from the mountain... Great multitudes followed him. Behold, a leper came and adored him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, stretching forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will, be thou made clean. And forthwith his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus says to him, See thou tell no man, but go, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. When he had entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy and is grievously tormented. And Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion, making answer, said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man subject to authority, having under me soldiers and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus, hearing this, marveled and said to them and followed him, Amen, I say to you, I have not found so great a faith in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into the exterior darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, and as thou hast believed, so be it done to thee. And the servant was healed at the same hour. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, two times at each Mass we make a confession of our sins. We say that we have sinned exceedingly in thought, word, and deed. And we say that it is through our fault, through our fault, through our most grievous fault. Despite all these confessions of guilt, however, we can sometimes be under the impression that we are justified in our sins. that We had a right to do what we did. If someone did no evil to me and yet I did evil to them, then yes, I'm, I'm at fault. But if someone did evil to me and I did evil back to them, well, then I'm justified. It was okay. I was just giving tit for tat. If someone lies to me, then I can lie to them. If someone steals from me, And I can steal from them. If someone ridicules me or is mean to me or makes fun of me, then I can ridicule, I can be mean, I can be nasty as well. I'm justified in doing so. Evil justifies evil. That is what so many of us think in the heat of passion. That somehow evil makes evil right. Evil makes evil fair and lawful. Evil's bad most of the time, but when you are receiving evil, you have a right to evil. Let me just mention how this false principle of evil justifying evil can sometimes play it's, play itself out in the context of the family. Sometimes the husband and the wife keep a sort of running tally of the badness of their spouse. They have a certain number of bad points they've tallied up for their spouse, and they use that badness in order to justify their own bad behavior. The husband says to the wife, you shouldn't yell at me like that. And she says to him, you didn't take the trash out on Monday. Therefore, I'm justified at doing what I did. You didn't do what you were supposed to be doing, so I'm okay not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've got the bad trump card in my hand. I've been holding it since Monday when you were bad, and so now I'm going to play it and justify my behavior. A worse situation is when husband and wife justify their bad behavior on the basis of the behavior of in-laws, basis of what the family members of their spouse have done. The husband comes home after work and he sits down on the couch looking at his phone, wife is trying really hard to prepare the meal. The kids are going crazy. The husband just sits there. So the wife comes up to him with her arms akimbo and she says, you're being so lazy. Why don't you help me out? And the husband says, well, at least I'm not like your brother who's an alcoholic. I mean, I'm bad, but you should be happy I'm not as bad as somebody else. I'm allowed to be this bad because I'm not engaging in the really, really bad behavior of your family members. Needless to say, this sort of pettiness and immaturity in a family is completely destructive of any real growth in virtue. When a husband or wife is routinely justifying their bad behavior with flimsy excuses, then we can't really expect anything great to come out of that family. They're not striving for perfection they're striving to justify their own badness. And it's important that we see how this sort of behavior is extremely childish. How many children, when they're asked why they hit their brother, they'll just say, Well, I mean, he hit me first. That's why I did it. I mean, it's really his fault that I hit that I hit him. When one child insults another, the most frequent thing that happens is, is he gets insulted back. There's this name-calling It goes on. There's this exchange of insults. And it's so important that the behavior of the parents be a step above that of children on a playground if a family is to accomplish anything in the spiritual order. Children will never learn to behave maturely and virtuously unless they first see that behavior in their own parents. Regardless, there's one thing that we have to be very, very clear about when we walk away from this sermon, and that is that nothing, absolutely nothing, justifies your sins. There is no excuse for sin. Sin is sin. It's evil. It's bad. You can't justify it before God or man. There is no excuse you can ever possibly give to say, I was right in sinning. I mean, normally, yeah, sin is bad, it's normally wrong, but that time it was okay, I had a right to do it. This is what St. Paul is telling us not to do today. Don't be wise in your own conceits. Don't be an expert at justifying your own wickedness. Don't ever return evil for evil. You are never justified in doing that. You return good for good, you return good for evil, you never return evil for evil, you never return evil for good. St. Paul is saying to us, you can't let evil win, no matter what the situation. If you return evil for evil, then you've been conquered by evil. You have not been justified by evil, you have been defeated by evil. You must want to defeat evil, and the way to defeat evil is by the performance Of the good. Is someone angry at you? Be patient with them. Has someone insulted you? Be kind to them. Has someone injured you? Don't destroy them, but forgive them. You must want to reach a state to where your goodness is so great that you're kind of immune to evil. No matter what the evil is that surrounds you, you're not going to be led into evil. You're always going to do the good, no matter what evil is around you." This is sort of the image that we have in today's Gospel with our Lord healing the leper. You know, the Jews were forbidden to touch lepers. That if they touched the leper, the uncleanness of the leper would come upon them. They would be considered ritually unclean. But this is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the very source of goodness, whether that be physical goodness, or whether it be moral goodness. He is absolutely and utterly, metaphysically immune to all evil. Evil has absolutely no power over him. And so, when this leper asks our Lord to heal him, our Lord touches the leper. And the leprosy doesn't come onto our Lord, the leprosy doesn't infect our Lord, He doesn't contract leprosy. But the power of his own goodness, his own life, goes out to the leper and cleanses the leper. When it comes to evil, it all stops at God. And because God is the source of all reality, goodness will always triumph over evil. Goodness, in the end, will always win out. Because God is utterly immune from evil. And you think about, well, the role of the priest in a parish, how how important it is for for a priest to be good, not to, to return evil for evil. Just like in all reality, I mean, really the buck stops with God as far as good is concerned. So, so too in a parish, it's so important that a priest be good in order to influence the the faithful to be good, and then hopefully the parents in their own home, that, again, they are the ultimate source of the goodness that happens in their home, that they have a certain immunity to evil, and they're able to defuse evil in their home, to stop evil when it wants to grow, when it starts to spread like a plague. There's members of the household who are willing to prevent evil from spreading. By not returning evil for evil, by not multiplying evil, but rather multiplying good, being to a certain degree invulnerable to evil. St. Paul recommends to us in today's epistle, which again would be such a beautiful thing to hang in your own home, three things he says we have to do if we want to conquer evil done to us. Number one, don't take revenge. That's God's job. That's not your do- job. It's really God's job to be on top of evil and to decide the reckoning. It's going to happen to every person for evil. Everybody's going to get what they deserve, but it's not your job to be the enforcer of that. Don't seek revenge. Secondly, put your anger aside. Get it under control. Put it out. Don't give way to anger. And then thirdly, be at peace with everybody as far as you are able. Try as hard as you can to be at peace with all men, says St. Paul. St. Paul mentions this third one first, but I mention it last because having that peace manages to accomplish everything at once. It is the ultimate remedy to being influenced by evil. It is the ultimate force field against evil. That's what you have to really strive for if you want to have, be a conqueror of evil. You have to have that peace of soul within yourself and the peace as a consequence with everyone around you. We're not talking about green peace. We're not talking about the peace that the world gives. We're talking about the peace that God gives to men of goodwill. We're talking about the peace that belongs to a special class of people, the ones our Lord calls the peacemakers, ones who possess the kingdom of heaven, that blessed class of people. We're talking about those people who are first able to keep their interior in a state of harmony, and then as a result, they're able to be in harmony with everything and everybody around them. Allow me to to quote for you a long citation from a classic work by Father Henry Ramier, the Apostleship of Prayer. Here's what he says. Peace is the supreme good of our present life. All men seek after it, whether they know it or not. Peace is to our heart's desires and the soul's faculties where the harmony of the strings are to the harp or the balance of all the individual parts of a massive building, or the smooth running of all the wheels of some powerful and complicated machinery. But while outside of us order and peace everywhere reign, how rare is this accord of all our desires, how difficult it is to obtain this harmony of our faculties, how great is the agitation and disquiet even of souls sincerely Christian, how few outwardly show forth the true marks of interior peace, On the contrary, the great number are but causes of trouble and uneasiness both for themselves and for others. Where are the peacemakers? Are you one of those people who are only good when your environment is good? Are you one of those people who get routinely conquered by the evil around you, who habitually return evil for evil and believe that they are justified in doing so. If this is the case, it's much more because you do not have harmony within yourself than because of the evil outside of you. Don't blame other people for your own evil. You are at fault because you do not have that interior peace, that interior control of your own self. There's too much self-love, There's too much self-seeking for you to be at peace with yourself and at peace with others. That's the fact of the matter. That's why you can't be good when there's evil around you. Two weeks ago, I asked husband and wife to imitate the holy family by having a sacrificial love for one another to be sure to increase in charity in 2020. Last week, I ask you to imitate the union of Christ with his spouse, the church, by seeking to sanctify your spouse and your children by your good example. This week, I'm asking you to be a peacemaker in your house by never returning evil for evil. No matter what is said to you, no matter what is done to you, you have to maintain your peace of soul. If your husband or your wife behaves badly, if your children behave badly, do not let that badness incite you to commit sin with them. Control yourself. If no one is there in your family to conquer evil with good, then evil will triumph in your family. When evil triumphs on a regular basis, the family is in a very bad way. Which of you, family members, Husbands and wives, children, which of you is willing to step forward and pledge yourself for this work, the work of conquering evil with good in your family life? Call upon the infant Jesus who was so obedient in his home life. Call upon Our Lady who never committed the least sin, though she was surrounded by an evil world. Call upon St. Joseph who is always looking upon the will of God as his primary concern. Give way to wrath. Overcome evil by good, and you will truly have a holy family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.